Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein, and today's guest is Colin Stengel from Brooklyn, New York. Colin is a longtime listener of Attendance Bias, and he simply reached out to me on Twitter to ask if he could come on the show, and here we are. It was as simple as that. For today's episode, Colin chose to discuss a major highlight from the early part of the Baker's Dozen, Down With Disease, from July 22, 2017, otherwise known as Strawberry Night, at Madison Square Garden. I've mentioned a number of times that the most commonly chosen era of fish jams discussed on this show is the summer of 1999. I haven't done an exact count or a breakdown, but the Baker's Dozen might be second. Even with our breakdowns of the run on this show and the Undermine podcast's in-depth analysis of the record-breaking run, there is something intangibly unique about the band's idiosyncratic residency at Madison Square Garden five years ago. For Colin, it was even more unique because it was his first show, followed quickly by several more during the run. In today's discussion, Colin explains the universally exciting feeling that we all get from our first show, and then we blend that experience with figuring out the bits and pieces of the most impressive fish experience of this century. So let's join Colin Stengel to talk about donuts, crowd reactions, and sneaking snacks into a show as we discuss Down With Disease from July 22nd, 2017 at Madison Square Garden. Colin, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. As we are just a couple weeks out from the return to Madison Square Garden for the New Year's Eve run, you are here today to talk about another run from Madison Square Garden, or at least a jam from it, and that would be Down With Disease from Strawberry Night of the Baker's Dozen. That would be July 22nd, 2017. And this was a show I was not at for the Baker's Dozen, so I can't wait to hear your view of it, but more specifically, your view of that Down With Disease. So let's get started. Get to know you, Colin, uh, with the Attendance Bias Lightning Round. Attendance Bias Lightning Round. Colin, when was your first fish show? So my first fish show was Strawberry Night of the Baker's Dozen, 7-22-17, fish show. Oh, so what what led up to this? Did you go in completely blank? Did you go in knowing a whole bunch? Where were you at? So I went into the Baker's Dozen with tickets for Jam Night and tickets for Holes Night, only because I have a twin brother who's a fish fan and a friend from high school. They were both at Magnaball, and we live in New York City, so... I was told I needed to get fish tickets, and that was in, say, maybe March, earlier in the year, 2017, and my journey basically began from there. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Did I you... knew some of the music, but I think other people were pinning me as a fish head before I was pinning myself as a fish head. I was going to four shows in the Baker's Dozen, and I was, I was a fish fan. But I, I wasn't 100% sold, but I couldn't wait until jam night to see a show after my brother and our friend got back from the first night of the Baker's Dozen. So I ended up with seats behind the stage in the 200s last minute for what would be my first show. And did you know what the Baker's Dozen was all about? Like when you first started listening to them, were you aware? I mean, we as fans, we had to learn the ins and outs of the Baker's Dozen as it went on. But 
Did you know the concept or the gag, or were you just going to a fish show with your brother and friend? I knew the concept that there would be, once they announced the flavors for each night, I, I knew that was happening. I knew that each night was going to be a theme, but I didn't really understand the significance of it. It, to me, kind of seemed like the ordinary of what was happening with fish. I knew about the MSG runs, so to me, 13 nights in New York City seemed par for the course. I wish it were. (laughs) I wish they would do it every year. Uh, What was your most recent show, and what did you think of it? My most recent show was The Last End of Dicks, September 4th this year, and I thought it was great. Uh, I got a Nicholas. I went all the way. I first saw them in... 1997 i had to go all the way to the baker's dozen to jimmy's night oh no that was harpua no the first time i heard ridiculous was 2009 so you're pretty you know that's pretty great to get it you know at dicks no less yeah five years in isn't bad but i am still waiting on a harpua (laughs) fair enough well that took me to the baker's dozen it was jimmy's night that i heard my first harpua literally 20 years so Fingers crossed that you'll have a much slower or a much quicker wait time than I did. Uh, When you go into a show, what is something that you must have on you? Snacks. Always. Any kind of snack. Honey roasted peanuts, trail mix, all sorts. I got to ask you, from one snack haver to another... I'm a type one diabetic, so I literally need to have snacks on me. I always, my snack of choice are, um, are fruit snacks, little packs of fruit snacks. And depending on the venue, they kind of hassle me a little bit. Does anyone ever hassle you when you have little snacks in your, in your pockets or in your little bag? Like how, how do you get them in? I need to know. I need the pro tips. So for starters, I'm just always very sweet, very nice. I never try to give any trouble. However, the one time someone really wasn't going to let me in, I lied. I said I was diabetic. They let me in with my snacks. So (laughs) you shouldn't have any problems. (laughs) I shouldn't. Right. Everyone out there listening, don't blow up our spot. All right. Colin and I need to get in with our snacks. So I don't want everyone to start saying that you're diabetic now. You know, there's only two diabetics here or one and a half, I guess. One and a half. <laughs> but speaking of snacks, next question in the lightning round. What's the best meal you've ever had on tour? The best lot meal I've ever had on tour was in Alpharetta 2018. It was a falafel sandwich with arugula, sriracha, and feta cheese. And we had it all three nights because <laughs> it was that good. And what, what about yeah? What about outside of the lot? What about just you're on tour? You find a great place to eat. So I can't think of anything specific for fish tour aside from diners. I love a diner on fish tour. There's nothing like the morning after a show with another show coming the next night, unpacking what happened the night before with your friends over nice hot mugs of coffee getting potatoes and eggs and hopefully nice fresh corned beef hash into my stomach. There's really nothing like it. I got to tell you, Colin, man, us, me hearing you say that, I know you're from New York. You sound like a true New Yorker. 
with that breakfast diner order. Cause I grew up on long Island and there are diners, you know, if you spit, you'll hit a diner and two eggs, hash browns, well done. Corned beef, hash coffee and an orange juice. That's it. You just took me to a place with your answer. I love it. Love it. What is your most controversial fish opinion? My most controversial fish opinion is probably that 3.0 is good. 3.0 is different, but 3.0 is good. And we've got a lot of fans that just because fish painted themselves into a corner by being so good and inventive (laughs) in the 90s that they think that modern fish is not good. It's different, but it's still good. I'm a teacher. And so I would argue that all teachers have to be optimists at some point, somewhere in our hearts, you have to be. I would love to suggest that that opinion is not controversial. I think that 3.0 is awesome. I agree with you. It's different. And I saw them in the late nineties. I think that it's just as fun to go to a fish show now. And some of the music you'll hear is just as good as you would have back then. But like you said, to your point, it is just different. But man, I hope it's not controversial. But let me ask you to wrap it up. What is the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a fish show? The weirdest thing I've ever seen at a fish show, it's not even weird, but it, it, it was weird to me after I got sick into a trash can at Hampton <laughs> that I was able to sit down next to the man that was sitting there and have a completely normal conversation And then he handed me his bottle of water to keep and drink. That to me, after only a year of seeing fish was so weird. I'd seen, I've seen a lot of weird things, but the appreciation of humanity in a way, just letting someone sit next to you after they got sick and offering them what they need was weird. I had never experienced that outside of fish. In the normal world, someone would give you a dirty look and try to get away from you. When was this show played? So let's take a look at the Baker's Dozen overall in the summer of 2017. Uh, There have been, I believe, three previous episodes of Attendance Bias covering the Baker's Dozen, and I'll double check that in the fact check. So I've done overviews of the summer of 2017. I've done zoom ins on specific shows. So anyone listening, you can go back and listen to any one of those. If you want to hear at least my view of a breakdown of the Baker's dozen, it meant something very personal to me, but Colin, I want to hear what it meant to you. We touched on this just a little bit before when you told me it was your first show and you went with your brother and friend, you, you were you living in New York city at the time? I was living in Brooklyn at the time, about 20 minute walk from where I live now. My brother still lives there um, in Midwood. I was working at J. Crew. I was shipping clothing for J. Crew at the time. And I really didn't know much about fish. I had hardly listened to any, even 1.0 at the time. I didn't listen to any of the Pollock live fish releases that hold however many releases they did with the Halloween shows as well i didn't listen to those until after the baker's dozen so i really didn't even know much about where fish came from the thing that really stuck out to me working in the city before i even saw any of the shows 
was that it seemed like the community took over the city. I, I remember being at work and seeing someone wearing, it was a, a fish logo tee, but I think it said Cincinnati. <laughs> and I just like tapped them on the shoulder, talked to them a little. And it was really nice to see, you know, the sense of community coming around this city that seemed so impossible to wrangle to me. It was incredible that I was seeing fish everywhere all of a sudden. It's funny that you put it that way, because I agree with you. And I think anyone who is at a Baker's Dozen show or stayed in New York City for any amount of time during it knows what you're talking about. My wife and I, who are both fans, we talk about the different types of fish shows there are where if they play in a certain city or town, like let's say Deer Creek or more locally to us in New York, uh, Mohegan Sun, where the whole fan base just kind of takes over or Saratoga, and everyone you see is going to see fish. Meanwhile, in Manhattan, at Madison Square Garden, once the show is over and you get out of the garden or Penn Station, you could be anywhere else. It's like the city absorbs fish. But it did not feel like that during the Baker's Dozen. It really felt like you could go anywhere in New York City and see a fan. I remember yeah, seeing this person. I, I remember everything felt... It felt like fish took over the city. It really did. And that was before I even knew what fish was about. So and as a noob, just, mm-hmm. just looking around, it seemed like fish was everywhere. And there's something to be said. You know, I said earlier in the very beginning of our conversation that we're getting ready for the New Year's Eve run. There's something to be said for fish in the summer at Madison Square Garden. You know, it doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, but it is. Have you been to New Year's runs since 2017? So I've been to every New Year's run <laughs> since 2017. I missed one show in 2019. And I didn't even think about the winter aspect until I, I had a GA ticket for December 28th, 2017. And I was standing like near 8th Avenue in the GA line. And somebody next to me said they missed the baker's dozen like it was nice outside at that time we were all bundled up in our jackets waiting outside shivering and that was when it struck me i was like oh right that was a privilege to see fish in new york in the summer i i never even thought about it that word you just used privilege really sums it up i had the same feeling as that guy you spoke to where during the New Year's run, we're all, you said, bundled up, you know, we're layered and you don't know exactly how hot it's going to be in your seat or whatever. And then depending on where you're going after the New Year's run show, it could be freezing cold. You know, you, you could be walking 20 blocks, you know, to, I don't know, to Union Square or something like that. But during the Baker's Dozen to be sitting outside and I think they closed down, I think it was 31st or 33rd Street. I think they closed it down. Uh, for the Penzi and to have people just hanging outside, having drinks. Plus the air conditioner was turned on at Madison square garden. It was a completely different vibe. What shows did you end up, end up going to? So originally I had tickets for jam night and holes night. I got a ticket for strawberry night. And then after jam night, picked up a ticket for maple night as well at the box office, like row eight in the two hundreds. Not bad. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> was were there was there a moment during the Baker's Dozen or after even where you said when you walked in, you, you weren't quite 100% sold. Was there something during the Baker's Dozen that did sell you? Because obviously you're all in now. 
So in hindsight, I thought I was sold going into my first show. I was excited. I knew generally what I was getting into, or I thought I did. (laughs) And I had a great time at my first show. I was ready to go back, like no questions, but I wasn't to the point of buying a fourth night of tickets. After jam night, (laughs) I remember (laughs) talking to my brother and my friend. I remember saying to them, you didn't tell me it could be like that. Saturday was all fun and donuts. And you didn't tell me it could be like that. (laughs) What is like that? Jam night was an incredible experience. The energy was off the walls. The cross-eye got really dark and spacey and strange. I'd never heard a jam like that by Fish, let alone heard a jam like that by anyone or had an experience like that. I remember being in the middle of the cross-eyed. Things felt very spooky and uncertain. And that juxtaposed with how amazing I felt probably 15 minutes later when it peaked. It was an experience like nothing else. Felt like a whole different world. So after jam night, there was no looking back. I got a fourth ticket for the Baker's Dozen. And that was that. So may I ask... Of all the shows you've seen and all the jams that you've seen within these last five years or so, why do you have a tendency bias toward this performance, Down With Disease, from July 22nd, Strawberry Night? So I found myself in the last five years seeking a disease like this. Not only a disease with an incredible jam, but going back into disease is so special. And it's something I didn't even realize at the time. And now that I have seen some other diseases that I didn't find were as great, and I've also heard some Finnish diseases, there's nothing for me quite like this version. Hi, everybody. Brian here to welcome you to the set break of today's episode of Attendance Bias. First, thank you for listening. And second, just a quick reminder to tell you that even though attendance bias comes to you for free, it does take a lot of work and it does take quite a bit of money to keep the lights on here at production. So I just wanted to ask a small favor if you could support the podcast in any number of the following ways. If you could leave a review or a rating of it on whichever podcast app you use. If you could spread the word telling a friend or someone you think may be interested in it about it. Or probably the most concrete way is to go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias and donate however much you can financially to help with the continuing costs of attendance bias. So thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. It opens the second set of this show, and Down With Disease opened the second set of my first show at which was at Madison Square Garden. So I always think when Down With Disease is opening a second set, it's something to stand up and pay attention to. I always have kind of a sentimental spot for a second set opening Down With Diseases, which, good Lord, if I did a fact check, it's probably half of them ever played. But it still tickles me a little bit. And the first two minutes are very typical, although they're a bit faster than what at least I've come to expect in 3.0. And then the jam starts. And wow, Trey's tone during the latter part of the song section and the beginning of the jam 
to me, it, it just, it brings me back to the Baker's dozen. familiar with down with disease at this point so i was not familiar with down with disease i don't think i'd ever heard a single note of down with disease i remember during set break a hippie woman came over with huge pupils and was talking to me and my twin brother so excited we were twins and the set started and as soon as mike started hitting the bass i remember my brother hitting me and saying disease and the woman next to me was crouching down moving like almost like she was casting a spell and I was not really sure what I was getting into (laughs) I feel like that's a recurring theme with this show yeah (laughs) Uh, about five minutes in Trey starts this descending riff he only sticks with it for like 10 seconds this down with disease is searching for like the first five or six minutes it's pleasant to listen to but one thing that I've got from the Baker's Dozen is the band feels so relaxed and patient right from the first show. And I think this was only the second show of the Baker's Dozen. And they feel very relaxed where it's like, we got our stuff here, all of our gear. We're not going anywhere for about three weeks. So even if it takes about six minutes before the jam gets rolling, I got the feeling as a listener all these years later Well, what's the rush? It made me feel more patient also.
Are you able to hear it in a different way than you were the first time? Absolutely. I definitely didn't appreciate it the first time around. I, like I said, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know how exciting. Well, I, I didn't know how typical, I guess. I don't want to say typical. It sounds negative. But, you know, disease is a classic. So I didn't, I didn't understand the gravity of a disease, especially, you know, a Saturday night second set opener. I didn't realize it was going to be a monster jam, though I feel like probably most people in the room had clocked that. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, to me, the, the Baker's Dozen, in retrospect, was kind of more mysterious than it turned out to be by the end, because we all knew that it was going to be centered around donuts. Like you said earlier, we knew it was thematic. Uh, we know that fish wasn't going anywhere for three weeks, so they were on home turf. But there were so many bits and pieces. We didn't know that there wouldn't be any repeats yet, right? right. This was only the second show. We didn't know that they would be introducing one-time covers or just brand new covers. Like right after this Down with Disease, Strawberry Letter 23 uh, debuted. And that's become kind of a regular in the rotation. So there were corners and notches of the Baker's Dozen that was still new to us. So when you say everyone in the room probably clocked it, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, I'm trying to push back in a positive way. You know what I mean? Like you weren't the only one who didn't know what he was in for. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that like try, thinking back, I I felt like such a noob that I'm like projecting that. Yeah. But yeah. in re-listening, I, I didn't understand it at the time. But what you're saying about they were, you know, their gear was there. They weren't going anywhere. It really does feel like they're like taking a stretch like a nice deep stretch into a disease in a way that doesn't always happen. Agreed. And they really get into that stretch. I'm thinking of my dog right now doing his biggest stretches. Uh, they're at, <laughs> they're at the, the deepest part of that stretch I wrote down at about seven and a half minutes where it cuts to like a rhythm based jam, um, kind of groovy and page steps forward with the Wurlitzer. And I think this is my favorite part of this whole, I think 18 minute jam it gets very mellow and Paige brings up the synthesizer, which was to me, this screams Baker's dozen. If you put this on a random playlist, just press play by this seven and a half minute section, I would say, oh, this is the Baker's dozen.
you know the part I'm talking about? Yes, it's that. It's that specific synthy sound. Mm-hmm. It's that page. The I don't even know how to explain it. But when I replayed it for my boyfriend the other day, he said he hadn't listened to it since then. And as soon as Page hit that, he he said, "Oh, oh, I remember this now. <laughs> yeah. I remember this." And it's it's because it's the Baker's dozen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he's totally right. I mean, I say he's right as if, you know, it's a factual thing. That's actually it. Pa- Page's synthesizer sound at this point of down with disease. You could you could even hear the space in the in the garden on the audio recording on the audience recording. It's it feels like I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting now instead of you. It feels like you're in the air, like you're back in your seats, uh, but it stays low for another couple of minutes. And then about 12 and a half minutes, five minutes later, Fishman gets pretty fancy on the cymbals. You hear him hit the snare drum and then the cymbal immediately after. Uh, it, it caught my attention, my ears. Mike's been very low key. But at this point, about 12 minutes in, we are miles from down with disease. know that they jammed at least even if you weren't too familiar with their music i knew that they jammed i don't think i had a concept of a 20 minute jam yet (laughs) the first set made sense to me where things went with the second set especially with the combination of the lights I, i maybe i had listened to a 20 minute jam but i had never experienced it before it was wild to it be is- in the middle of of a 20 minute down with disease inside of the garden is not for the faint of heart i think <laughs> and not only that i agree with you entirely and not only that but like the peaks the roiling peaks of this jam which i'm so glad you picked it because it's not like you mentioned typical as a word that you you didn't really want to use but if you go all the way back to the mid 90s and you hear those down with diseases they are fairly typical. They're high energy. They're like a thousand miles per hour. And then mm-hmm. they come to like this major peak and then they go back to the coda and they end the song. This jam that you chose has like four separate peaks and you can hear the the cheers and the, the climaxes just wash over the audience. It's a beautiful listen. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking about them stretching out before. I mean, you can feel it with the peaks too. The peaks feel like stretches in themselves. Like I feel like listening to the last, you know, few minutes. Well, it's not the last few minutes, but probably the last five minutes where they're peaking almost 
they're building on peaks over and over. And I will literally stretch my arms out listening to this. <laughs> it feels good. It feels comfortable. It feels infinite in a way. That's really well said. I agree. I would also play it in a car. It's great for a drive because it keeps you going, keeps you focused and energized. I'm glad that you said that it's like the last five minutes is the part that you're thinking of. Cause I even timestamped, I wrote about 13 minutes and 45 seconds. It's picking up steam. And then by 15 minutes, it's centralized, it's structured. And I wrote, I can imagine waves of excitement rippling through the crowd. That's what it sounds like. You know, I, I could picture it from the shows that I was at, but I could hear it in this show. And then again, at 16 and a half minutes, I put the word peak again, capital letters, trace sustain and the band's increasing dynamics makes this the absolute peak of the jam. Like I didn't see it coming, but it also feels very organic. I love it. You really can hear the rippling of excitement. You can almost hear you can hear what's pleasant to you and you can hear it hit the audience almost in a wave. You hear that ripple and you hear the excitement and it's having been at MSG so many times since then and having experienced things like this, those waves of excitement, listening back, it's incredible. It's emotional. And then they segued sort of segued, right? They they kind of petered out of Down with Disease and then started Strawberry Letter 23. Do you remember that? I remember it. I didn't know the song like I do now since Fish started playing it, but it's a song that had played at work and I knew the the riff to it. But I think I think my thought was is this actually a fish song? 
I was that much of a noob, not only with fish, but with music. I was enough of a noob with music that I thought it was an outcast song. I thought it was uh, sorry, Miss Jackson, you know, because they, they lifted from there. So right. to even, even hear fish play it was really mind blowing. But just to put an exclamation point on this incredible jam of one of their best loved originals and then pivot into a brand new cover song, first time a debut that is also thematically tied into Strawberry Night. I mean, you couldn't get better than that. Uh, Let me ask before we close up shop here. Did you get any donuts during the Baker's Dozen? I got the maple donut. I think I got the strawberry donut, but I can't be sure but definitely the maple it was delicious colin thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through and help us reminisce and i really to paraphrase mike myers's uh character from saturday night live linda richmond i did start feeling a little verklempt as we started getting into this because while you were describing so many parts of this jam I really just was placed right back in the Baker's Dozen. So thank you for creating a time machine on attendance bias today. I really appreciate it. And uh, you taking the time to have such a great pick. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I hope to see everyone at MSG. I'll be wearing my orange spacesuit. So keep an eye out for me. I usually have a bun. All right. So everyone out there at MSG. I'll give you a snack. Oh, all right, good. Yeah, if you're if we're able to get those snacks in, we'll trade snacks. I'll get snacks in. And that's it for today's discussion with Colin. But now it's time for maybe the most brief attendance bias fact check ever recorded. Attendance bias fact check. We only have one fact check for today's episode, and that is the coverage of the Baker's Dozen on this podcast. Before today's episode, there have been three shows or singular jams from the Baker's Dozen discussed on Attendance Bias. Those were Powdered Night, July 26, 2017 with Derek Hartley, Jimmy's Night, July 30th, 2017 with Dave Berland, and Glaze Night, August 6, 2017 with Jason Gershany. And that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Colin Stengel for joining me today, Fish.net for its help with the fact check, and Fish.in for the recording used on today's episode. If you enjoy Attendance Bias, please support the show by leaving a rating and a review of it on your favorite podcast app. You could also follow Attendance Bias on social media, but most concretely, you could always support the podcast by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash Attendance Bias and donating anything you can. Thank you so much and see you next time on Attendance Bias. Attendance Bias.